This week's episode of the Skift Airline Weekly Lounge is brought to you by Blue Sky, a new service from the Pittsburgh International Airport. Visit blueskypit.com and subscribe to get weekly headlines on airport and aviation news, trends, and ideas. That's blueskypit.com. Hi, and welcome to the Skift Airline Weekly Lounge. I'm your host, Airline Weekly Editor Madhuni Krishnan, and I'm joined today by Skift Europe Editor Patrick White. We're going to talk about Thomas Cook. Patrick, good morning. Hey, Maddie, nice to be here. So let's talk about Thomas Cook. I know, I mean, beyond just the airline, which most of our listeners are familiar with, I mean, Thomas Cook was known as the booking clerk to the empire. It's a company that's been around for, what, 150 years? And uh, how did it go bankrupt in such a spectacular fashion? Yeah, you're right. It's been around for a very long time in the UK and elsewhere in Europe as well. And I guess in the last few years, it's really struggled under mounting debts and uh, changing booking habits of, of tourists. And it hasn't been able to kind of catch up with other more nimbler uh, operations online, mainly in, in the UK and elsewhere in Europe. And, and that's what's done for it in the end. Tell me about that. I mean, when you say it couldn't compete with more nimble competitors, what do you mean exactly? So the booking experience, if you go on an online play, you know, thinking about Expedia and, and more kind of and local um, examples in Europe, you had more choice, better systems. And, you know, you, you just had um, competitors who were able to do things cheaper. So hotels maybe were cheaper and they could package it up with low cost flights. You know, you think of like Ryanair, EasyJet, they could mix those two together, a hotel and a, an airline. And then you had a cheaper component than maybe what Thomas Cook could offer. And so when you say they could, you know, partner with a, a cheaper airline, do you think the airline was a liability for Thomas Cook? No, because I guess it meant that you could control its own, um, its own holidays. You had a whole Thomas Cook package. If you were booking a Thomas Cook holiday, you could fly a Thomas Cook airline and increasingly you could stay at a Thomas Cook branded hotel. So that, that's not necessarily the problem. The problem was that these other airlines had, um, newer planes maybe, or they could do things at cheaper operating costs and could offer lower fares, which meant the whole, the whole holiday vacation price was lower. Got it. Okay. Now, in your reporting, I remember you, you wrote a story a few weeks ago when this was all happening, um, that Thomas Cook was really hobbled by, was it overexpansion of its physical like, shop fronts? So in 2010, 2011, they, uh, in the UK, anyway, they signed a deal to merge their, their physical um, shop footprint with uh, Arrival. And this kind of created this big high street uh, presence of, uh, of travel agents right at the same time when other companies were maybe investing more online. And over the last couple mm-hmm. of years, they've had to shop, shut many, many of these shops. So they, you know, the, the, the shop footprint is a lot less than it was. So it seems like a waste of time and money to pursue this deal when they could have been using money elsewhere and spending it more maybe in improving the, the airline experience or maybe improving the, uh, the online experience. Well, let's talk about that for a second. I'm really, you know, I, I've not used a travel agent. I actually, I don't think I've ever used a travel agent personally. Um, it just seems bizarre to me that in the earlier part of this decade, a travel agency would expand its physical shop presence. In the UK and Europe, um, are travel agents still uh, a, a, an important channel for purchasing travel? That's a really interesting question. And what's, what's really um, kind of... Well, interesting across Europe is that it's different in different markets. So in Germany, for example, there's still a big, um, big uh, presence um, on the high street for, for retail travel agents. Germans tend to book um, holidays through physical stores. In the UK, it's, it's less so, but still is, is relevant. 
And in, Nor- in the Nordics, so in Sweden and Norway, it's almost zero. Everything is done online. And Thomas Cook actually had a big operation in the Nordics where they had uh, no stores. And this operation actually survived the kind of bankruptcy and is still trading. So it just shows you they could have been profitable without the stores in, in certain uh, markets. But the UK, I mean, they just expanded. They, they expanded at the wrong time and they had this big, big store footprint. People were still using them, but, you know, like an Apple store, it's still relevant to have uh, physical stores. Apple still still does well out of them, but just not as many. And, you know, you have them in select locations with high footfall and customers who want that kind of thing. It just doesn't work in every mm-hmm. in every street across the UK. You don't need a, a, a travel agent. And so the Nordic business was that uh, was that a separate entity? It's well, it, it's a separate uh, trading entity within that country. It was still owned by Thomas Cook Group PLC, which is in the UK, London based, has gone bankrupt. But interestingly, some of Thomas Cook's businesses are still surviving. So Condor, which was a German airline, um, is still flying. They got a loan from the European Union, and that part of the business um, is profitable and. Uh, in the past, Lufthansa, which actually owned Condor at one point, was looking to buy that business, and it may still end up doing so, perhaps, or another rival, or maybe another company. And in the Nordics, again, uh, that business is a tour operator, but it also has its own airline, so Thomas Cook Airlines Scandinavia. That's still flying as well. So bits of the Thomas Cook Empire, which were profitable, are still going. It's uh, it's the UK PLC, uh, which is which is in liquidation, and other businesses. Um, so it's kind of a complex story across Europe in different markets with different um, challenges, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And um, is there any hope for the uh, the British government to invest in or to offer a loan to the Thomas Cook Airline as the European Union did for uh, for Condor? So the European Union approved the Condor one. It was the German, you're right, the German government that, that, that stepped in there. But in the UK, that kind of ship sailed now and Thomas Cook Airlines in the UK is no more. And that's certainly an area of controversy in the UK because there, was, there were calls from the unions and from uh, people who worked on the airline that this should have happened. But the UK government argued that if they had stepped in, it would have just been um, a waste of money. And maybe in the future, Thomas Cook would have come again saying we need more money to keep the airline afloat. Um, there's currently an ongoing inquiry in the UK about the conduct of the executives there. And um, there's another meeting, another hearing this week where we're going to hear from past CEOs and I think the auditors as well. So we should know more then, but yeah, the the airline in the uh, Thomas Cook Airlines UK is uh, is not flying anymore, and, and some of their capacity is likely to be replaced by other airlines for next summer. They they have big holiday routes to Greece, Turkey, Spain, and we've already seen airlines like Jet Two and Tui um, take take the place because people still want to travel to these places, and, and somebody has to fly them. Right, and I want to get back to that issue of. Uh capacity in a second but I, I you mentioned the inquiry um that's that starts tomorrow correct we've had, well we've had one um, one session already which is last week which was the kind of current management okay. the most recent management team and we're hearing from uh, i think the auditors this week as well as uh, former um ceos which should shed a light on what went wrong over the last decade at the company really got it okay um, and has it, it's been a very sort of controversial and contentious issue in the UK, right? Do you expect that to continue with the inquiry this week? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a huge employee. And, it, and as you kind of mentioned at the start, it's a, it's a really well-known name. It's been around for more than, I think it's 170 years more than that. So people uh, who talk about traveling, know traveling, booked a holiday, maybe not recently, but in their lifetime, would have used Thomas Cook probably. So there was a lot of hope, a lot of talk that maybe the government would have stepped in or it could have been saved. Um, but uh, it hasn't happened yet. And there's a lot of anger aimed at the, the CEO, um, 
and the past CEOs for the level of pay and that kind of thing. Essentially, there was a lack, lack of scrutiny over what went on there. And um, politicians, as always, are, are kind of trying to get to the bottom of this. And um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in the next week or two, who, who comes out looking worst, really. Okay, so let's return to that capacity question. Um, so it was a it was an important airline in the UK, um, as you mentioned, the uh, Condor and Thomas Cook's in the Nordics so still operating. But it was a it was a it was an important airline in the UK. People are planning their holidays for next summer. What does this the the failure of Thomas Cook the airline mean for the the traveler in the UK? Will fares go up? Is there enough capacity to take the holiday maker from? From the UK to say the uh, to the Aegean or to Spain or wherever. I mean, there's been talk in Europe. We've had this argument for for years, like about how there's too many airlines uh, chasing too few passengers, and you'd get a sense that some of the, the CEOs at the bigger airlines um, kind of understood that maybe with with one less carrier they could um, the market would have been more stable. Thomas Cook did certain certain routes, certain destinations, which maybe other people um, won't find as attractive. They're big in Tunisia, which maybe other people don't want to go back into. So some of the routes may may disappear because Thomas Cook doesn't happen. But I imagine the, the popular ones will be quickly snapped up by um, rival carriers, mainly in the leisure market, because let's face it, people in the UK still want to go on holiday, Brexit or no Brexit. The weather here is mostly pretty terrible. So those, <laughs> those the European summer sun routes are going, to be, um, are going to be popular. And it just means that Maybe next year it'll be it'll be tough. There'll be some kind of working out with the schedule. Sometimes these things take a longer time, but certainly by twenty twenty one, things have things have sorted themselves out. And I'd imagine that the, the routes that most people want to use will have been um, the capacity will be back there in some form. I think. And you know, just just before we go, I wanted to um, what does this what does the failure of Thomas Cook mean for people who had uh, holidays booked in uh, in December or later this year? Yeah, so in Europe, there's quite a, a high level of consumer protection, even especially in the UK. Um, anybody who's booked a holiday um, with Thomas Cook um, will have a refund. Even the people who were on holiday when the company went um, into liquidation were flown back free of charge. So they could carry on enjoying their holiday in um, in the sun and, and still get back. So that was quite a good, um, well, it, it was handled pretty well by the government, in, certainly in the UK. So that was definitely a, a thumbs up for the, the how these things are handled now. Well, yeah, let the, if you have any insight on that, uh, I'd love to hear it because I, I think I remember reading somewhere that uh, the the repatriation of stranded Thomas Cook travelers back to the UK was among the largest civilian uh, airlifts in peacetime. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. That's how the government liked to, to build it because obviously it made the government look good and, and they were... Um, yeah. They they were in there uh, ready to take over. And this is kind of a, a culmination of a, of a long process, which has seen um, a couple of airlines go bankrupt and it wasn't handled as well. So XL Airlines went busted in the early 2000s and that left a lot of people stranded. It was a lot more haphazard. Um, then Monarch went bankrupt a few years ago and it was a better, more managed process then. And then Thomas Cook was, was even better. So the government has been practicing these repatriation efforts over the years and it seems to have, um, seems to have got... Um, come up with a good plan and so now everyone's back who needs to be back is that right yeah i think they finished last week uh, i think the last person is, is back now and now it's just a case of sorting out the financials of people who are due refunds um i think that's probably going to take a lot longer because i imagine there's a lot of people who are, who are due money um from thomas cook's collapse 
Well, Patty, I'm sure we'll be revisiting this issue and uh, asking you to comment on um, the ongoing Thomas Cook saga as uh, these inquiries play out. Um, But I want to thank you for joining us this morning and um, on the Skift Airline Weekly Lounge. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Pleasure, Sophie. Thank you very much.